Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, our listeners are probably able to tell that you are not in the studio today, and we are recording this program through the phone. So where are you, and why aren't you recording in the studio today? Well, Scott, right now I'm in South Carolina, but I've been traveling quite a bit lately and will continue to be on the road for many weeks, so we're having to record some programs remotely. Now, I know where you've been, but I think the audience will be interested in hearing about where you went. Well, I just returned from India, Scott. I was there for only a week, but it was a very wonderful trip. Were you doing scripture on creation conferences there or what? Uh, No, not this time. The main reason I went was to attend and participate in a celebration. Well, that is a long way to go just to attend a party. Well, it wasn't a party, Scott. It was a day long of sharing memories and words of appreciation to two of the most special people in my life and to literally thousands of other people as well. Well, that must have been some celebration. (laughs) Well, thousands did not attend. Only about 400 could come. But my dear brother and sister in Christ, Abraham and Grace Thomas, have truly affected thousands of people's lives in India as well as many lives here in the United States. And what we were celebrating was their being in the full-time ministry for 50 years. Mm. So many of the pastors and church planners and missionaries that Abraham has trained and discipled over those years gathered together in the hometown of Abraham and Grace, Korincheri, Kerala. And they gave thanks to them and to the Lord for their exemplary lives of faithfulness and service. So the Thomases live and minister in India, and I remember you mentioning them before, but how is it that you know them? Well, that's a good question. Abraham and Grace are Indian nationals, but they began their ministry back in 1972 in Winona Lake, Indiana. Abraham had attended Grace Theological Seminary. Which is where you went to seminary. No, that's right. But he was there before my time. Okay. And then after he finished seminary, although Abraham didn't start it, the Lord dynamically used Abraham and Grace to establish the church Karen and I became a part of when we moved to Winona Lake in 1983. It was Abraham's diligent ministry of discipleship with the goal of the multiplication of disciples that built our church, Bethany Fellowship. When it was time for he and Grace to return to India in 1980, Bethany commended them as our missionaries to India, where he continued to make disciples who would make other disciples. Dr. Scripture, that idea of the multiplication of disciples is the principle Paul practiced. And of course, he got that idea from Jesus. (laughs) Indeed. It's what Paul instructed his disciple, Timothy, to do as part of his ministry. In 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul says, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is the foundational verse establishing the pattern of the multiplication of disciples. And I love how the providential assignment of chapter and verse emphasizes that multiplication principle. What in the world do you mean? (laughs) Well, Scott, I must admit, I struggle with remembering references. I can remember what a verse says, but the reference, you know, chapter and verse, 
I'm terrible at recalling most of the time. I have the same problem. Yeah, well, but this verse, 2 Timothy 2.2, is one I always do remember, because the reference reminds me of the multiplication principle. Two times two times two. I truly believe it's no coincidence that the translators assigned that chapter and verse to that sentence in 2 Timothy. I really do think God providentially guided their choice. Now, I obviously can't prove it, but I definitely believe our designer creator does things that intricate and sophisticated just to demonstrate the breadth of his control over his word and the depth of the care he has for his word. That's a pretty amazing thought. The intricacies we observe in God's design of the information in living organisms, their DNA, is similar to the intricacies we can find in how God reveals himself and his plan in his word. Yeah, I think the complexity of God's word is just another evidence of the fact that the Bible is not a work of man. Only God could put together such a book. And only God could put together a living cell. Right. Scott, those two ideas remind me of the purpose of the Scripture on Creation ministry, to present the glory of God displayed in His creation and revealed in His Word. But getting back to the purpose of my going to India, it wasn't to share on creation, but to share with hundreds of other brothers and sisters in Christ their gratitude to the Thomases for the impact they've had on their lives and gratitude to the Lord for bringing them into our lives. You know, the mission work spearheaded by Abraham has been one of the major focuses of my life's ministry, a work that began in 1980, before I had even met the Thomases, when Bethany sent them back to India. And from that humble beginning, when Abraham teamed up with one other brother in Trichur, Kerala, the Lord has produced a team of at least 90 full-time workers and hundreds of churches in 13 different states in India and in the nation of Sri Lanka. (laughs) That's truly an example of the multiplication of disciples. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Scripture, although you didn't teach about creation on this trip, you have had numerous opportunities to teach on creation and creation science in India in the past. Well, I certainly have. And one of the things that really stands out to me now is the change in the science education in India. My first visit was in 1990. And at that time, I had conversations with lots of young people to find out what they had been taught about origins in their schools, both high schoolers and college students. And I was surprised at how little emphasis was placed on the teaching of evolution at that time. But in 30 years, it has totally reversed. And evolution is a major emphasis in the Indian educational system, especially in higher education. And tragically, as happens in this country, more and more young people who are raised in Christian homes are being challenged by their teachers and schoolmates with evolutionary claims. And without a foundation of some creation science education, their confidence in the Bible and even their faith in Jesus Christ is often undermined, sometimes even lost. You know, Dr. Scripture, I can remember many years ago when you came back from one of your trips to India, having done Scripture on Creation presentations, and you mentioned your surprise at how little the young people knew about current evolutionary proposals. Mm -hmm. Sounds like that has changed, along with many other changes in the nation of India. Yes. You know, when I first visited India, it was very open to all religions, including Christianity. In fact, one of the priorities of the government was to make sure religious tolerance was observed. And wasn't that at least in part due to the fact that India has such a diverse religious population? Oh, indeed. 
Christianity is and always has been a small minority in India, but the freedom to practice one's faith was carefully protected. Now, it can be very dangerous to share your faith in Christ in India. The government is extremely anti-Christian, and more and more laws are being passed that curtail the rights of anyone espousing any religious practices other than Hinduism. And yet the true believers in India are undaunted in their zeal to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, because there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. That is what my brother in Christ and dear friend Abraham Thomas has been doing for 50 years. And what a glory to God he and his wife Grace and their faithful, sacrificial ministry has been for those last 50 years. And as a result of my many trips to India on behalf of Bethany Fellowship, our church which commended them to the ministry they've been conducting there in India for the last 42 years, I've had the joy of making friendships with dozens of the Christian workers associated with the mission work begun by Abraham. Well, Dr. Scripture, it sounds like you had a very special time while you were in India, even though it was just a short trip this time. But we're recording today's program over the phone because your travels away from home are not just for a short time. What and where are your plans taking you now? I'm glad you pointed that out, Scott. I'm planning several Scripture on Creation presentations in the southeastern part of the U.S. in the coming weeks and months. Anyone in the Augusta, Georgia area would be welcome to attend the conference being held at the North Augusta Bible Chapel in North Augusta, South Carolina, which starts on Sunday, February 19th and goes through Wednesday, February 22nd. So if you're interested in getting any details, you can find that information on North Augusta Bible Chapel's website, which is NorthAugustaBibleChapel.com. Those words are all spelled out, NorthAugustaBibleChapel.com. Just a clarification, Dr. Scripture, did you say North Augusta, South Carolina? Didn't you mean Georgia? (laughs) No, North Augusta is just across the Savannah River that divides Georgia from South Carolina. Augusta is in Georgia. North Augusta is in South Carolina. Oh. Yeah. So to reiterate, North Augusta Bible Chapel is hosting a Scripture on Creation conference starting Sunday, February 19th, and anyone is welcome to attend. Now, Scott, we haven't had much to say about creation in the program today, but you know, I did have a couple of experiences while I was in India that related to things we just recently talked about on a couple of programs. Remember we were discussing the tree of life that the Lord had planted in the Garden of Eden? Yes, and among other things, that in the book of Revelation, it says the tree of life bore 12 kinds of fruit. And so you and I listed 12 different kinds of fruit as an example of how amazing it would be if a person could pick all the 12 different fruits we listed just from one tree. Yes, we did. And do you remember one of the fruits I listed was jackfruit? You didn't know what that was. Yes, and you said it grew in India. So did you get some this time around? You mentioned how much you liked it. Yes, I did. It was just starting to get ripe in India. What a marvelous creation jackfruit was when the Lord was creating the plants on day three. One jackfruit can weigh 30 pounds, even more, and a productive tree will have dozens on it. Now, it takes some effort to get the husk off to get the fruit out, but it's so worth it. Its texture is firm, like a mango, and it's purely subjective on my part, but I think it tastes like a combination of pineapple and banana. (laughs) And speaking of bananas, another thing we discussed in our last program was that before the flood, it appears that God intended for people to just eat plants. 
Well, let me ask you, Scott, do you like meat? Well, I generally avoid animal flesh unless it's beef or pork or lamb or poultry or fish. <laughs> well, me too. Well, you know, not having those tasty options on the menu could make one think you get bored just eating plants. Yep. But that underestimates the variety of plants God has created. Bananas, for example. In this country, we basically get two kinds. The cooking banana, plantain, and, you know, the more regular sweet kind. But in India, they have so many varieties of bananas, as many as we have apples. And they all have different flavors and textures. Some are a little tart, some are real sweet, some of the peels are thick or thin. I so enjoy all the different kinds of bananas when I'm in India. And it reminds me of just how plentiful the menu would have been for all the people and animals God created before the tragic judgment of the flood, that is. I really enjoy a ribeye steak or some fried chicken, but I'm confident if we return to a pre-flood diet in the new heavens and the new earth, the feasts will be, well, out of this world. (laughs) This is what the Lord said about the food after he created everything. So to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. That's not what I say. That's what Scripture says. 